Hello and welcome to another episode of Cranky Talk, a show for avgeeks and non-avgeeks alike. We continue to tackle everything happening in the aviation world in the time of COVID, and this week we're going to talk about schedule changes and how they work in this new world. But first, I want to thank our sponsor, uh, Dave. Who is our sponsor? Uh, we actually don't have one this week. What? Well, okay, then let's just uh, let's, let's just make one up. I'd uh, I'd like to thank our sponsor, Windsor Airlines. Ever since Windsor 114 crashed on approach to Dulles on that dark winter night in 1990, the airline has been working on winning your trust back. Now, 30 years later. It's investing in a fleet refresh, finally retiring those old DC-8s, and preparing for new destinations in the U.S. Uh, are you just citing a scene from Die Hard 2? yippee ki Mother Daver. Oh. <laughs> that, that was so awful. Was... <laughs> That's so awful and explains exactly why we don't have a sponsor this week. It's because of you. Mm, not buying it. All right. Anyway, it's been a while since many of you have flown. In fact, there are probably some frequent flyers listening to this podcast who are approaching a full year without having stepped foot on an airplane. A lot has changed during that time. Why, thank you, Captain Obvious. But we want to focus today on just one piece of it. Let's talk about schedule changes. Uh, and by that, you mean when someone buys a ticket and then the airline changes flights on them? Exactly. This happened before, as any regular traveler knows. As a general rule of thumb, traditional airlines will generally sell tickets up to about 330 days before travel. But what people don't often realize is that the schedule that gets loaded that far in advance is a complete lie. I am shocked. You are not a good liar. <laughs> uh, <laughs> see, airlines want to put up flights for sale that far in advance. But they know most people aren't buying then anyway. So they put a basic skeleton schedule out for sale, knowing that it will change later. It's often based on a previous year or different time period. Basically, it's whatever can get it closest to what they think might be realistic without having to do the hard work because it's so far in advance and they, they just can't really know what demand will look like. You know, I'll just throw this out there. They could always just not sell tickets until they actually know their schedule. Mm, nope, not feasible. Uh, but Because look... Like I said, some people just really want to lock in their flights early. Uh, when you think about a cruise or something like that, you can book that so much further in advance. And a lot of people just want to know they have flights and don't want to worry about it. Uh, besides, the people that book that far out tend to be more flexible on their actual flight times. So, you know, if a city goes away entirely, it's a problem. But if it just means a different connections or different time or whatever it might be, it's not a big deal to them. At least they've locked it in at a price that they can guarantee. Well, listener, if you are that person, more power to you. So when do airlines lock in their schedules for good? Uh, define for good. It's uh, <laughs> This has been one of the big changes during pandemic times. So traditionally, the airlines tend to lock in their schedules about 100 days before travel. And they do it in seasonal chunks. So it's not like it rolls day, one day at a time, you know, exactly 100 days. Uh, but long-haul flights tend to be more stable earlier in the process than domestic ones. But you could bank on it being around that point. Uh, and I should stress, th this is just for traditional legacy-type airlines. Uh, historically, Southwest didn't put out a schedule for sale until it was final. 
so they waited until much closer to departure before they put it for sale. Uh, but that's also shifted for Southwest, and we'll talk about that too. Uh, so meanwhile, other low-cost carriers, they tend to follow a similar strategy of not selling as far in advance, except for Frontier, which interestingly actually books even further out than the other airlines. Uh, at last check, it was going into February of 2022 already. Well, 2022 does sort of seem like it might be a normal travel year. Well, that's the dream, but I've given up on trying to figure anything out at this point. <sighs> Well, that doesn't bode well for us. Uh, but you said uh, <laughs> airlines have changed the way they do this now? Yes, yes, they sure have. So with COVID wreaking havoc on demand, uh, the airlines all decided not to make plans final until much closer to travel when they had a better idea of how many people would actually bother buying a ticket. In general, that means schedules won't be final until about a month in advance. For example, just this past weekend, United did its cuts for March. It cut almost half its schedule out. Before that, people were buying tickets for flights that they knew wouldn't fly. March is not that far away, to be clear. <laughs> <laughs> Southwest just did cuts uh, for March as well. Alaska, Frontier. Um, you know, th these guys are, are all doing it pretty close to departure right now. So it's, it's kind of a different world. Uh, I feel like this is going way too far in the other direction. You know, I usually book more than a month in advance. Well, yeah, usually. Uh, and a lot of people used to do that. But now it's a lot less than it used to be because people are just waiting to see what's going to happen. More people are playing the wait and see game and see not even if they want to travel, but if they can travel. The airlines have been trying to get them to book earlier by eliminating change fees. That extra flexibility should help get people to book earlier, but it won't meaningfully change until the pandemic is done. So what does this really mean? I mean, if I buy a ticket to go to Seattle in April, uh, does that mean that I'm going to be screwed since schedules aren't final? That probably depends on the airline you're flying. Let's say you're going from LAX to Seattle, since there is nothing from Long Beach anymore. Uh, but there are five airlines in the market normally. American has four flights a day in its schedule uh, for April, but that's a skeleton plan again. Well, JetBlue doesn't even fly it every day in April, but it's there. In the final March schedule, neither airlines fly in the route at all. So if you book them for April, there's a good chance you're going to be out of luck unless you feel like making some awful connection when they cancel everything. Then there's United, which normally flies it a couple times a day in April. In March, it's flying it only 25 times a whole month. So uh, might require an enormous change in plans to stick with the airline. And on the other hand, Alaska has 14 a day in April, while Delta has eight. But in March, they only have two fewer flights each per day. So for them, it would just mean a slight time change, most likely, not a big deal. Okay, so let's just say I'm on United, and they cancel my evening flight, and the only flight left is in the morning. Or maybe I'm on American and they canceled my flight and I have to take a connection. What does that mean for me, Joe Consumer? Can I get my money back? Well, Joe, <laughs> this, 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 okay, so this gets to the heart of the matter. I've heard the argument many times in the past that if a traveler wants to change and has to pay a fee, you know, why can the airline make a change without paying the traveler a fee? Yeah. Right. Easy there. <laughs> After all, the, the airline won't charge you a fee anymore for the most part. The change fees are gone. So that argument kind of goes out the window. Uh, but it is in the airline contract carriage that they can make changes to flights, and that's just how it goes. 
Some airlines specify their policies about what you can and can't do in the contract of carriage itself during a schedule change, uh, while others just make it a policy. Those that have it in the contract of carriage can't change their policy on you, which is good. But those who have it outside the contract can change it whenever they want, and that's when there's a huge uproar from the public. Uh, I feel like I remember United doing this. Yeah, and if you remember it, then most people remember it. So, <laughs> United. Wow. <laughs> really? Really? Slander. Slander. Oh. Every, every episode. Oh, please. Listen, United did. You're right. So they absolutely screwed every airline in the industry by playing games in the early days of the pandemic. The airline used to have a rule that if the times changed a certain number of hours, you could get a refund. It quickly changed that during the pandemic to say you couldn't get a refund at all, no matter what. Then it shifted again and said, well, you can get a refund, but only if it changed like 24 hours. And then it was six hours, and it, it, it just kept changing. That is super shady. It really is, and it ruined the good work being done by other airlines like American and Delta that honored their commitments the right way. It scared everyone off pretty quickly. And I should add that JetBlue belongs in the Hall of Shame as well, since they tried to play the same game. Fortunately, the Department of Transportation, in a rare moment during the last administration where it actually did something, told the airlines they couldn't do that. So they all backed off. So then everyone gets a refund again? And Well, no, not really. With U.S. airlines, yes, that's what happened. But some foreign airlines played fast and loose with the rules. Air Canada is the worst offender, and still is for that matter. It's required by U.S. law to give refunds for major changes if a ticket was bought for travel touch in the U.S., but it's continued to just ignore that and say no. The government hasn't done anything to stop them either. It's ridiculous. Other airlines played games by pausing refunds for a time, as they called it. Uh, Latam, down in uh, South America, they had a plan where you had to refund a ticket into a voucher. Then you could request that the voucher get refunded to cash. Just adding those steps bought the airline time so it could sit on the cash. All right. What the hell? Airlines suck. <laughs> this does not make me want to buy a ticket. Yeah, but let, put that on a t-shirt. Cranky says airlines suck. Nope, not, <laughs> not going to put that on a t-shirt. But, but yeah, th this is the kind of behavior that doesn't make anyone want to buy a ticket until the last minute, until they know they're going to fly. And the bad actors in the industry really shot everyone in the foot. But that being said, things have stabilized. The policies are now pretty standard for each airline, at least in the U.S., all right, so let's talk examples. Who has the best policy? I guess it depends on how you define that. So airlines like Southwest and Delta tend to be really friendly and generous, uh, but they also have a lot of gray area in them. So Delta, for example, says if your departure arrival changes less than two hours, you can't make any changes. If it changes more than two hours, you can either change another flight or you can get a refund. It's, it's pretty broad, and it, it sounds pretty easy, but a lot of the details are left to the imagination. And even then, the reality is that if a flight changes less than two hours, you can call them and the agents will probably let you switch anyway. So it's just kind of squishy. Uh, for Southwest, well, you can do almost anything with those guys. They, they don't make nearly as many schedule changes as the rest in general. And even that didn't really start happening until recently. So they've never put together these lengthy, confusing policies based on previous experience. It's all just squishy. But... For me, I, I prefer having things very clearly laid out, even if it's complicated. All right. So who lays it out the best? Uh, well, in my mind, that's American, and it is definitely the most complicated. Uh, so American changed their policy for tickets bought after last April 8th. 
And the document for travel agencies is 15 pages long. <laughs> it's insanely complicated. But there's a good chance your specific situation will be spelled out there. And that's what I like. At least there's a pretty clear playing field. So in short with American, if your departure from your origin or arrival at your destination changes by less than four hours, you can change to another flight closer to your original times on American or on an American code share operated by another airline. Or sometimes you can change to another airline entirely if that airline was already on the ticket. Um, if it changes by more than four hours, you can do that or you can get a refund. If there are on other flights, you can look at destinations within 300 miles or you can change dates. Also, if your flight changes from a nonstop to a connection or if you were booked in a cabin that isn't offered anymore, like first class when they put you on an airplane that's all coach, uh, then you can get a refund no matter what the time change is. I, I like this one because it's clear there's no gray area, but, you know. Yeah, it, it, it's clear, but it doesn't sound very friendly. Right. It, the old policy that they had was actually friendlier, but it, it's – I mean, this one is kind of middle of the road. All right, so who has the worst? Well, I don't really like United's policy. Yeah, no surprises there. You've mentioned that. <laughs> well, yeah, but I'm talking about even after all the shenanigans stopped. Uh, the new policy is pretty clearly spelled out. It just has some bad elements in the policy. Uh, there is one good thing. If the flight changes at more than two hours, you can get a refund. That's pretty generous. That's better than American. The problem is in the policy for people that actually want to travel – United's rules say that if United cancels a flight, you can only be put on another United flight, not even a code share. And if there's another airline on the ticket that has a schedule change, you can only put someone on the same airline or on United uh, or another airline if the fare rules allow it. But it's really restrictive and it's annoying. Uh, but believe it or not, that's actually better than what United's old policy was. All right. I can see that. At least refunds are possible. Um, I know we've had that uh, bite some of our concierge clients. Yeah, especially for international travel. United's pulled out of markets during the pandemic, and the only decent options are on partner airlines. These often just don't work out, and we're told there's no other option because United won't put someone on these other airlines. It's not the client's fault. Work with them, United. It's so frustrating. Yeah, United. Uh, <laughs> what, about, what about all the uh, low-cost airlines? How do they handle it? So they're a mixed bag. Uh, they, they don't have the complexity of the big guys, so they don't really need something too detailed. Spirit's contract carriage, for example, says that anything over two hours is eligible for a change or a refund. Uh, that's a good policy. Frontiers, though, is much more nebulous. Uh, check, check out this quote from its contract carriage. <clears throat> In the event Frontier determines that a schedule modification is significant... Frontier shall, if requested, provide passengers a refund of the cost of the unused portion of the ticket. Okay, so what is significant? <laughs> Great question. Uh, apparently Frontier can decide however it wants if something is significant or not. <laughs> it's particularly concerning since Frontier is the one low-cost airline that cancels flights like crazy. They regularly cancel a couple weeks in advance, which is nuts. All right, got it. So don't fly Frontier? I mean, Frontier flies to a lot of places that others don't, and they are cheap. So I wouldn't say don't fly them. But I would say just don't count on getting your money back if they make a change. So beware. It's never a bad idea to learn your airline schedule change rules before you buy the ticket. Just remember, with most airlines getting rid of change fees, the ability to at least use the full credit is there, even if it's for something completely different down the line. 
Thanks for tuning in to Cranky Talk. We'll be back with more deep dives and helpful tips for these turbulent times. Before we finish up, I want to again thank this week's non-existent sponsor. I will say I'd much rather have a real sponsor. Can you work on that, Dave? We are on it. Uh, but if anybody wants to sponsor, shoot me a note at Dave at CrankyConcierge.com. And while we're working on that, all you listeners, please rate and review us on iTunes. Five stars only, please. You can write whatever you want in the review, but those five stars will help others discover our little podcast. If you want to write something uh, especially nice, I'll read it out on the show. He still thinks you want that. <laughs> anyway, thanks for listening.